1: Is anybody else besides me getting excited for some new fishing stuff this spring? That's what's up. There were some hands in first service, and I mean, I am, like, this is the time of year. The muskie are spawning on the river, so it's a little, you know, that's kind of off, but bass fishing is prime and time right now, and trout fishing. But, like, it's time for some new gear, right? Like, this is last year's new. This was a little G-Man jig. I I bought it. It's got a round, like, a cannonball-type head. I thought it might not get stuck in a rock so much. And it's in, I think that was called peanut butter and jelly was the color, but it still gets stuck in the rock. So like the new search for the better jig continues. And, and this was last year's new rod and reel. And I mean, it's okay. Uh, it does what I needed it to do. I bought it for more specifically crankbaits, but like, I, I'm not crazy about the way the rod flexes, like there's too much flex in the tip, not enough back. But so anyway, all that to say, like the, the search for new continues, right? Like I, I'm bad. I, I love new things. And we all do. Like, it might not be for you fishing gear. Uh, It might be handbags or new cars or, you know, whatever your thing is. But, like, we like new stuff, right? There's something about an Amazon box, like it's Christmas any day of the year. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. But the nature of those things is that that new is so temporal, isn't it? That, like, last year's, like, I researched that and waited for it. Not long, but I waited for it. (laughs) And now it's like last year's thing, and I'm already like, man, what's that next rod? What's that next reel to my wife's dismay? But isn't that so true? That Amazon package that was last week's excitement is just today's mundane. Like we see this in new cars. You get, ah, new car smell, right? You know, you start out with that, Joker, and you're like way back in the back. You know, you're parking out where the dumpsters are located. You know, you're way away from everybody else, right? Well, you know, a couple weeks, a couple months goes by, you know, you're parking two spots away from everybody else. Well, a couple more months go by, you're like screeching tires coming in sideways to the gotta go spot at food line and there's already dents and scratches and it really starting to smell funny in there. Like it fades that fast. Why do we still covet? Why do we still desire those new things? What is that? Like, I think we can recognize that, that yes, we, we have that desire for new widgets, new gadgets, new cars, but we can also start to understand there's a little bit something more, there's something deeper in us that likes new. It's beyond the things, beyond the Amazon boxes, and, and I don't know what the last two years has looked like for your story, but I mean, the, the pandemic and all the craziness that's going with that and ongoing even. And all the unrest and the tensions and just like, man, can we get something new in that department? Like that ain't coming in an Amazon box, unfortunately, or we'd all ordered it twice by now. But there's this sense where we're longing and hungering to see something different in our lives and in our world. We recognize a deep longing. Let's face it, like, our world tries to, to capitalize on this idea of new all the time. Like one trip to the grocery store and you're going to see something like this in any aisle you choose. Like old boring shreddies in square. We rotate it just a little bit and now it's new diamond shreddies. <laughs> right? Right? Like this is our world trying to captivate us that desire for new. And like honestly, if toilet paper advertising was true, they would be the size of a hay bale by now because literally every package is the biggest one ever. Is it not? Like it'd be the size of a hay bale. And so our our world is trying to captivate us that this idea of more and new is better, but can we actually find something new? Something that touches at a heart level, something more reliable than the next gimmick or the next fishing pole. Maybe a new that doesn't have brokenness with it, that doesn't have pain behind it. Maybe I think the longing that's in our hearts is something like we would read in Revelation 21. So we're going to begin there today at Revelation 21, beginning in verse 1. I think this is the longing for new, the longing for something different that the Lord has put in our hearts. I think this will help us get in that direction. Verse 1 of Revelation 21 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. He said, I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne room saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among his people and I will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Now that's something new that we can long for. Verse four, he says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, See, I am making everything new."
2: We look around and see a broken world, broken communities, broken families, broken lives. Even the church can look broken. So we long for something else, something whole, something beautiful. The truth is, we were created for something far different than what we see crashing all around us every day. But what if God wants to help? To reach into your life and make the dark light, make your crooked path straight. What if God wants to awaken something brand new in you? Don't settle for the pain of the past or the plague of the present, but ask God to do something new today. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing.
1: That starts to get a little bit closer to the desire in our heart, doesn't it? The longing that may be behind some of those Amazon purchases or fishing poles. Behold, I am making all things new. Friends, our Easter series this year is titled, All Things New. And it's based on this idea that we not only like new, but that we desperately need new. And that that new is available through literal new life in Christ Jesus. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is the ultimate new that we so desperately long for. And that new is offered to us today in Christ Jesus. It is, yes, currently the down payment on the ultimate new we read about in Revelation 21. Both, both are available to us today through Christ Jesus. Every Easter season, it reminds us that Christ not only did resurrection in the past tense, but that he is resurrection in the present tense, and that he is the source of the new and the hope that we so desperately need and long for in our lives and in our world. Every Easter we're reminded, yes, of God's faithfulness in the past and what he has done. And every year we hear the invitation to new life, to transforming life that is available through him now. And yes, we look forward to the ultimate renewal of all things. Something so new that there is no more sin. There is no more pain and hurt and death. It's that categorically different and new. We celebrate every Easter, the new that we are so desperately longing for in our hearts. And there's no new car full of Amazon boxes of fishing gear that will ever touch that desire for new. So this Easter, friends, let's not settle. Let's not settle for what's been done in the past. Let's not settle for what we see around us as all there is. Let's not be looking for yesterday's blessings. Let's not be chained down even by yesterday's failures. Let's ask God to do something new, to continue his work of grace in our hearts, in every area of our lives. This season, friends, is an opportunity to step into the reality that God is making all things new. As we dive into our teaching text today in Isaiah chapter 43. So we're going to go from the end of the book back into the prophets of the Old Testament today. But as we dive into our teaching text today in Isaiah 43, we're going to see God's gracious action. We're going to go back and look at the story of God's people. And we're going to see his gracious action, his gracious promise to his people in exile that he would make a new way in a time when they desperately needed something New. Now, it, we're going to cover a lot of history here in just a 30-second recap, but in the story of God's people, in the story of the children of Israel, uh, you had King David, and he, they, he was arguably the pinnacle, the high point of their history, and you had King Solomon come in. He Things are going pretty good at that point, but as these two kings fade into the rearview mirror, things start to get a little tense. They start to go downhill, if you will, and after King Solomon the nation of Israel would actually split up. They would take 10 tribes and go to the north, and, and two tribes would stay in the south. And, and they had a disagreement about who should be king and some tax issues. And it's like at that moment you realize we still have the same issues in, in today's world, don't we? We're not that far removed from the Old Testament. But they, they disagreed over these things, and so they split. They split. And so it wasn't long after this split that both groups were wandering away from the Lord. They were falling into idolatry, worship of pagan gods, things that were forbidden in their covenant with the Lord. And so because of their sin and their worship of other gods and intermixing with other peoples, the northern kingdom was first taken into exile. They were taken away as prisoners into a foreign land. And it wouldn't take but so many years before the southern kingdom, too, uh, was not far behind. And they, too, were led away. They were led captive to the nation, the empire of Babylon. And, and so they were removed from their homes, removed from the promise that God had given from a promised land. Their sin had led them to the point of being taken into another country to be held as prisoners and captives. And so we can get this sense already in the story, even in these couple details, that this was a low point. This was an easy spot to think it's all over that God's done. We have messed up too many times. We've gone too far. It's done. So as we unpack Isaiah 43, we're going to see the words of the Lord saying, I am doing something new. And so as we dive into verse 16 today, we're going to see a few promises, the promise of the Lord today. In verse 16 of Isaiah 43, he says it this way. He says, this is what the Lord said. He said, he who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and the horses, the army and the reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. He says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. At its very core, at its very heart, Isaiah 43 is a text of rescue. It's a text that reveals God's heart for his people in a desperate place. It's a promise, yes, for the initial salvation from Babylon that he would act and move on their behalf, and yet it looks ahead to the ultimate new thing, the resurrection of Christ Jesus. Would you pray with me today as we begin to unpack our text? Father in heaven, We thank you, God, for, yes, the things that you have done, the the testimony of your faithfulness for your word that we can see. But, Lord, will you give us eyes today, as you give us hearts to remember and adore you for who you are, will you give us eyes to see and to sense the new things that you're desiring to do in our hearts and in our world, Lord? Help us to see it. Help us to perceive it today, Lord. And may we humble ourselves before you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. What if for just a moment, what if Isaiah 43, 16 through 19, what if that were written for you today? In this moment, in the story that you stepped out of to step into this room this morning, what would it be? What are the former things that you might ask God to do something new? Or, or maybe what, what's happening that makes you think it's all over? That God's done, that he, he can't do anything else, or maybe even that you've gone too far. What, what would it be in your life today, that you would ask the Lord to do something new? Is it something relational? Like relational tension or brokenness that you're dealing with? Is it regret? Something done or not done, things said or not said? Is it fear or angst that won't let you go? What would it be for you today? what it look like in your story friends the, the reality is that the announcement of easter is that i am doing a new thing that's what we're celebrating that's the door hangers we put in the community that's the invitation before every one of us today is to step in to the invitation of the lord that says i am doing a new thing we're going to circle back and begin i just want to pull out a couple bits of this text and a couple details. And so we're going to start, we'll pick up verse 16 and 17 and unpack that just a minute. Verse 16, it says, this is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and the horses, the army and the reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Now, these words of the prophet were a reminder of just who was speaking, of who was making this invitation, of making this promise of something new. It is the God of their ancestors. And so the Lord here is recalling the great victory that he had given the ancestors of the people who are in captivity. He had given great delivery from Egypt through all the powers of Egypt, the mightiest army in the world. God gave them complete victory and delivery by passing them through the Red Sea. And so in calling these things to mind, he is identifying himself as, yes, the God of their ancestors and the way maker of his people. And so we, as we understand this, we might take it for our story today and understand that we should never be surprised that if we're asking God to do a new thing, that he might remind us of his faithfulness in the past, that we see that he is faithful in and through our stories, the work he has already done. Now, in recalling the account of the exodus out of Egypt for the Jewish people, the exodus of Egypt was their defining moment. It was the moment in their story, in their history, in their lineage, where God decidedly said, you are my people. And he showed with a mighty hand to the entire world that these are my children. So it's the point at their story where they gain their identity, when they gain their belonging as God's people. And so these words, if you would imagine these words being spoken to the captives in Babylon who are thinking it's over, who are thinking it's gone too far, that there's no way forward, they hear these words and they're reminded that God has made a way before and He is faithful to His children. As we turn to verse 18, we're going to notice a little bit of something unique here. He says, forget the former things. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. He says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness. It streams in the wasteland. Like, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Forget the former things? The last two verses were just reminding us of the former things, right? Like, so you want to remember, but forget. I, I think what was, what was happening here is, is that God wanted to remind his people of the past, of his faithfulness, of his power to make a new way forward. However, however, he did not want them to be stuck in thinking that it was over or that he was limited by what he had done in the past. He did not want his people to be stuck in the past. Now, I, I don't know if in your circle of influence, have you ever run into somebody, and, and maybe you're there today, someone that lives in the past and how crippling that is to today in our story. You see, when, when we're living in the past, we're always some kind of waiting for the way things used to be to return. Like, we all experienced that a little bit after COVID, right? Like, when's normal coming back? We're waiting for the past to return. We might live constantly replaying that one situation, imagining ourselves having a different response, imagining ourselves doing something different, and imagining longing for a different outcome than what actually happened. We live stuck in the past on repeat, and we might carry bitterness or unforgiveness or pain from those moments into every new story. And so what begins to happen is that everything today is compared to how it was. Every thought of the future is bound by the remembrance of the past. That's a little bit what it's like to live stuck in the past. And God didn't want that for his people. The Enduring Word Commentary, when he's unpacking Isaiah 43, says it so beautifully. And I quote, he says, Israel was told to look at the past by remembering the great things God had done for them at the Red Sea. But in verse 18, they were told, do not remember the former things nor consider the things of old. This shows us that there is a sense, there's a sense which we must remember the past. We must remember the past in terms of God's great work on our behalf. But yet there's also a sense in which we must forsake and forget the past with all its discouragement, all of its defeat, and move on to what God has for us in the future. There's a sense here that we can't be just looking for yesterday's blessings. We certainly can't be held captive by yesterday's failures. We cannot live stuck in the past. We must trust God for his preferred future, for his new way forward. In the story of God's people, and as it would be uh, in the story of Isaiah, this was literally fulfilled for the people of God at about 589 B.C. You see, the Persian army came in and overthrew the Babylonian Empire, which would have seemed impossible. But the Persians overthrew it, and they did something amazing. They actually allowed the Jews to return home, to start rebuilding their former way of life. Their journey this time would not be fleeing from an impending army, It would not even be crossing a Red Sea, but there was hundreds of miles of desert wilderness at which they needed to cross. And so God's promise here is that he not only dealt with their captors, he made a new way forward, a new way home. Now, had the people of God allowed their failures or their mistakes that got them there in the first place, had they allowed those things to deter them from seeking the Lord, or had they only remembered His faithfulness in the past and and thought it was over, they could have easily fallen into the trap of living stuck in the past. That there was no way they would ever see new life. So there's this sense today, friends, in this text, that we must humble ourselves, even in, the, in our mistakes and our discouragements. We must trust and seek the Lord to do a new thing, to not limit Him by what's been done in the past, not limit Him by what we think might work for the way forward, but humble ourselves and trust Him, trust Him for a new way forward. doing a new thing i'm doing a new thing as with so many prophecies in the old testament prophet isaiah was not just speaking to the immediate fulfillment that we talked about in 589 when the people got to come home but he was referring to a time he was looking ahead to the time when christ jesus would come and deal with the real oppressor of his people and that was sin that was sin you know, so, so what we see is that just as God has made a way for his children in the past, yes, out of Egypt, yes, out of Babylon, he has made a way through the life, the sufferings, the death, and resurrection of Christ Jesus to deal with the ultimate oppressor of his people, and that is sin. And that in him we can have new life now. We can be forgiven. We are no longer bound and chained to be under the power and the influence of sin. God has given us liberty, freedom from the power and the grip of sin in our lives. He says, behold, I am doing all things new. Will we step into that? Will we step into that? When the Apostle Paul wanted to convey this to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 5, he said it this way. He said, so from now on, so there's something different, there's something new here. So from now on, We regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. In verse 17, therefore, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The down payment's been made. It's here. New creation has come. Present tense. The old is gone and the new is here. Do you live like that's true today? Do you believe that in your heart? Do you let that new reality that we've stepped into, that God has dealt with the oppressor of his people in defeating the enemy, do we live in that truth and that victory and that freedom today? Have we stepped into new life? Have we stepped into new life? As the band begins to make their way forward, I think this is one of those messages and one of these topics when we can be tempted to think that it's about that person over there, that it's about the people who are going to come for Easter and hear the good news of Jesus. How do I know that? Well, I wish I could tell you I was just that smart, but y'all already know better. No, I know that that's tempting because I fell into that trap as I was working through this message. You know, I sat down and I was beginning to try to unpack this series and understand where the points at which we're hitting on these Sundays and understand just what are we communicating, what are we doing? And in that moment, I was thinking, man, all of this new stuff is awesome for those who are coming to the church for the first time. I mean, it captures the essence of who God is and what he's capable of and what the invitation to life is today. This is awesome. Like, this is how you want to portray the story of Easter, all things new. But you know, in that moment, I I didn't necessarily make the connection to my own story. I I wasn't really connecting or even seeing the value of this theme, the call to seek new for someone who'd maybe been around the church a little while, or maybe your whole life. I, I just didn't quite catch it. And you know, this is one of the reasons that I love being one church in multiple locations. Because as I'm working and studying and preparing, Pastor Adrian is also doing the same. And and we talk about every week about the message that week and what we're thinking, what the Lord's speaking to us. And I was in conversation with Pastor Adrian, and I was just telling him a little bit, saying, man, this is awesome for the new folks coming. And I just said, "I, I don't know that I totally catch it or what the significance is for someone that's been here all year. And he said this. He said, no one, no one enters the Easter season as a bystander, especially believers. Oh, that's it. Nobody enters the Easter season as a bystander. That really nailed it for me. Because, you know, we can, we can get into all the good stuff. We can get into the Easter egg hunts, the door hanging, the palm waving, all of it. But yet we can still miss the significance, maybe because of familiarity. And we become a bystander to the greatest story ever told. And it's really an invitation to step into the story afresh and anew. And Pastor Adrian would go on. He was so wise in this. He said, I've experienced new life, but I am still seeking God to do something new in me. He said, I'm still seeking God to do something new in me, in my family, in my relationship with my brother and my sister, in my faith that I can trust the Lord with my father's health, in my ability to trust the Lord as a pastor and a leader in a church. That's when it clicked for me. This is not a bystander event. We may have experienced new life, and we can point to that and we celebrate that and we remember that. but yet we're also looking forward to the new that's coming, to the new that still needs to be done in our hearts. Because, friends, until we get to heaven, God's still working on us, sanctifying us and purifying us and conforming us to His image. Work to be Pastor Roger Dove used to say, "I want to be a green apple." And what he was saying there is, I don't want to get ripe and fall off the tree and rot. He said, No, I don't want to ever be growing. I want to ever be maturing in the image of Christ Jesus. That's the invitation, all things new. That's the invitation. The new is always happening. At least it should be. At least it should be. So let me ask again what is it in your life today? What is in your life today that you need God to continue his work of grace? What is that for you today? Is it your your thought life? Is it a temper? I mean, I know Christians don't have tempers, but just in case, is it a temper? Is it anger? Is it bitterness? Unforgiveness? Is it fear? what what would you ask today for God to make new to continue to recognize what he's done in your life in the past and to trust him for what he wants to do in the future what would that be today i was, i need the lord to continue to work in my thought life in here Now, I can give you testimony, and I praise Jesus. My thought life is not what it used to be, but used to be is not the standard Jesus is. And I know that my thought life is not as it should be or as his is. And so I thank the Lord for where I've come from, for what he's done, but I'm asking him to do something new. Because I still will encounter people, and I don't think the thoughts I always have are Jesus' thoughts. I want that to change. I need him to continue that new work in my life. That I would immediately take thoughts captive and make them serve Christ. I need that. I need that. What is it for you today? What is it for you today? Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you today that... um, you are not limited by the past. Lord, you're not limited by our imagination of a solution. But that, Lord, you say, I, I'm making a new way. I'm doing a new work. Will you join me? Will you allow me to do that work in you? Lord, may we be people who say yes, Lord. Lord who don't drag around the past like heavy luggage, but Lord God, that we would trust you. That Lord, we would humble ourselves before you and trust you to do something new. Something maybe we can't imagine different. Lord, restore that hope in our hearts to know that the world we see is not all there is. God, the truth is that there's coming a new heaven and a new earth where there's no pain, no brokenness, no sickness, no illness, no death. Lord, I pray that as your church, Lord, that, that we would be seeking, that we would be open arms to those who are coming to hear this story for the first time. And God, I pray that we as your people would ever be seeking you to be green apples, if you will, in the vine always growing and maturing in your image. Will you show us in these days the places in our lives where you would like to do a new work? Where maybe we've been holding back or maybe we've been stuck. Will you show us today, Lord, and in the days ahead? Because no one No one enters Easter as a bystander. We love you today, Lord. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Today as we conclude our service, we're going to make this message tangible. And we're going to receive communion together. And communion is a sacrament that was instituted by the Lord. And it's a way that we can remember. That we remember his life, his suffering, his sacrificial death and resurrection. And yes, we can remember the hope we have of his coming again. That's, that's the message. So we're going to partake today of the communion elements. You, you don't have to be a member of the church here to receive the elements. We just ask that you would be sincere in your relationship, sincere in seeking Christ. If that's you today, I invite you to the table. We believe that the spirit of Christ Jesus is present. That he's present. and We can encounter him. The elements are prepared in the back. And up here to your right in the front. As you move to partake, I pray that as you receive the wafer, you would understand that this is Christ's body broken for you. May it preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. As you eat it, remember that Christ died for you and be thankful. And as you receive the cup, it is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ shed for you. May it preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Drink this and as you do, remember that Christ died for you and be thankful. Would you pray with me, Lord, as we step forward to partake in communion, Lord, we thank you that you're present through these elements, Lord, that it's a means of grace at which we can encounter you so may we approach the elements expecting, anticipating, Lord, that you want to do something new, that we haven't gone too far. The story's not over. We have a sure and true hope in you and your return. And it's in your name we pray. Amen and amen.
0: Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.